Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Father Josh Johnson shares about his experience attending conference and his relationship with Christ. Can I invite y'all to pray for me? I want to invite us uh, to pray for me that I will have the, the gift of tongues to only say the words that God wants me to say, and for you all to receive the gift of interpretation of tongues so that you will only hear the words that our Father desires for you to hear this evening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we love you, and we adore you. We honor you, God, we bless you. God, thank you for loving us, for choosing us, and for calling us by name. I ask that you give us the graces that we need, Father, to reorient our attention to your face so that we can see your gaze and hear your voice as you invite us to abide in relationship with you on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is such a gift for me to be with y'all tonight. I have to admit, I have a, a love-hate relationship with, with conferences. I, I love conferences because my conversion happened at a conference almost two decades ago. I didn't want to go. I was reluctant to go. I didn't want to be Catholic at the time. I didn't know Jesus. I was miserable. And one of my friends, she, she saw that I was living in this ache, and so she invited me to a conference very much like this. And I went to that conference, and on June 26th at 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night, I experienced the unconditional love of Jesus Christ during Eucharistic Adoration, the Blessed Sacrament. And my life has never been the same since. But I've also resisted conferences as well because I attend a lot of conferences and sometimes I, I hear speakers get on stage and they begin to present. And when they share, they talk about how they, they used to struggle with sin and then they encountered Jesus. And, and ever since they encountered Jesus, they've never struggled with sin ever since. And, and when I hear those kind of presentations, I'm like, that just doesn't resonate with me. Because I've been in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for almost two decades now, and I'm still on the struggle bus. It is still hard. Every time I find freedom from one bad habit or vice, another one comes to the surface. And so I just can't relate. So I don't know where you all are at tonight in your relationship with, with the church, in your relationship with Jesus, but I want you to know that this weekend you're not going to hear presentations from people who are already living in perfect union with God. We are all on this journey with our Lord together in our walk toward eternity. Now, now one of the things that I, I do once a year to, to help me in my relationship with God is I go on an eight-day silent retreat every year. This past year, I went on this retreat in Miami, Florida with Mother Adela Galindo and the servants of the Pierce Hearts of Jesus and Mary. And when I got to their, their convent, the first place I went was their, their Blessed Sacrament Chapel. And I got on my knees before our Lord in the Eucharist, and I just shared with him the desired grace I wanted to receive through that eight-day retreat. I shared with Jesus that the desired grace that I was hoping for, that I was longing for, was the grace to just simply persevere in our relationship. 
At this point in my walk with the Lord, I've accompanied a number of disciples who at one point were on fire for God and since have walked away from him. So I know that, that I'm fickle. I know that I too love him and I desire to stay with him forever, but I know that I can also walk away from him. So I just want to stay with him. So I said, God, I just want to persevere in our relationship. And as I knelt there in silence before the Lord and the blessed sacrament, I perceived Jesus speak to me. And I say perceive because I'm not infallible in my discernment and my prayer, but I perceived him say these words to me, Josh, do you love me? And when I perceived those words, it was from the gospel of John chapter 21, whenever Jesus pulled Peter aside and asked him three times, do you love me? And the third time when he asked Peter, do you love me? The Greek translation actually says, do you love me with a friendship love? And so the words that I perceived Jesus say to me were, Josh, do you love me? with a friendship love. And like, like Peter, I looked at the Lord in the Eucharist and I said, yes, yes, God, you know I love you with the friendship love. Then I perceived a second question from Jesus, but Josh, do you love me with a, a best friendship kind of love? Are we best friends? And, and if I'm honest with you, in my mind, I want to say, yeah. In my mind, we're best friends, but in my heart, I know that's not always true because best friends always make time for each other. Best friends share with each other at a, at a deeper level. They don't have a surface friendship. And there are times in my life, even now, where I don't always make as much time for Jesus Christ as I am invited to, where I don't always share with him at a deeper level of the heart, and where I don't always take the time to listen to him share with me. So I perceive the Lord has invited me to spend the next eight days in silence, leaning into the Gospels, Learning from Jesus how to be his best friend. How did he treat his best friends, the apostles, Peter and James and John, who he oftentimes would take and walk with them apart from everyone else, who he would share the depths of his heart with, who he would listen to? How did Jesus Christ treat God the Father, who he spoke to, who he shared his thoughts and his feelings and his desires with in the Gospel of John 17 when he was accountable when he expressed his deep desire for unity in the body. After that, he went to the garden and he cried before his father. Jesus, who not only took time to, to speak at a deep level with his father, but who also spent a lot of time listening to the father. All throughout the gospels, Jesus Christ, he would go away to pray. He's God. And he made time for prayer with his father. And he would not only speak to his father, but he would listen to his father. And what did he hear when his father spoke to him in prayer? If we turn to the Gospel of Luke, we read this. When all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form as a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. He listened to the Father, delight in him. This was before he participated in any ministry, before he performed any miracles or did any good works in his community. God the Father looked at Jesus and said, you are my beloved. I am pleased with you. I delight in you. Not for what you have or haven't done, but for who you are in my eyes. Brothers and sisters, whenever we are baptized, we are baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. And so the Father looks at us, he looks at you, he looks at me, and he says those same words over us, you are my beloved. I delight in you. 
I am pleased with you, not for what you have or haven't done, but for who you are. Jesus abided in the love of his Father, and it was the love of his Father that dictated every single decision that Jesus Christ made in his walk toward Jerusalem. He did not allow the opinions of others to dictate his decisions, to tell him what he should be doing. When his friend Martha tried to tell him what to do, he corrected her. He was on a mission from his father. Whenever Peter told Jesus not to go to the cross, he said, get behind me. He was not concerned with the opinions of others. He was not concerned with fear dictating his decisions. It was only the love of his father that he received and abided in through the time that he spent with God in that communion that we call perpetual prayer. The question is for us, who also are given that same blessing from our Father, is this. Do we allow the love of God, his delight in us, the way he sees us and knows us and is pleased with us, do we allow his love to be that which also dictates all of our choices that we make in our walk toward eternity? If I'm going to be completely honest with you, throughout my life, I haven't, and I, and I still struggle sometimes to solely, solely rely on my father's love. And, and for many years of my life, I wasn't even aware that I was operating out of a spirit of, of fear, a spirit of concern for other people. A number of years ago, I was at a conference very much like this. And after the conference was over, I was hanging out with some friends and I, and I ran into a buddy of mine who at that point I hadn't seen in a number of years. He helped me out with my discernment when I was really struggling with whether or not I was going to respond to this invitation I perceived from the Lord to become a priest. So he and I ran into each other. We were catching up on life. And he revealed to me that he was now, he was now married. But as we were talking about his, his marriage, he shared with me that six months after they were married, his, his, his wife, she went deaf. And they took her to the, the doctors to find out why she was going deaf. And they found tumors all over her body. And after multiple surgeries, his wife remained deaf and had uh, facial paralysis. They had to seal her eyes shut. She had body paralysis for a time being as well. And as he was sharing this with me, he said, this is never how I expected that my vocation would turn out. I never thought that this is what marriage was going to be like. Never in my mind would I have thought that this is what my life would be. But I will not. I will not take a vacation from my vocation. She is my bride and I love her. So I will feed her and I will clothe her and I will even change her diapers because she is the love of my life. And as he was sharing his heart with me, I, I was inspired to, to just go and sit with Jesus in the chapel. And when I knelt down before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I asked God, God, could I ever love you like that? Could I ever love you the way that, that he loves his bride? Because I want to so bad. And I don't know about y'all, but typically with me, whenever I pray, I talk, and then I, I try to listen, but with God, there's like a lot of silence. And so I just kind of sat there. I was like, all right, Jesus, I, I just pour my heart out. Can you say something? Say something, I'm giving up on you. <laughs> and as I sat there in the silence for about 15 minutes, I finally perceived Jesus speak. And I perceived him say, Josh, will you let me, will you let me love you like that? Will you let me love you the way that she allows him to love her? Will you be that, that vulnerable with me? Will you let me love you? And so I decided to give Jesus a dose of his own medicine, and I was silent. So I sat there, <laughs> and I just looked at him. I was like, how does this feel, God, right? 
And I finally responded. I finally responded to him. And you know what I said? I said, no. No, God, I, I will not let you love me the way that, that he loves her. I will not be that vulnerable with you the way she is vulnerable with him. Because I, I was afraid, I was afraid that if I was vulnerable with God, if I exposed my entire heart to God, that God would look at me and God would tell me that, that he didn't want me anymore, that I wasn't good enough to be his follower. See, because after my conversion, I still struggle with sin. I, I thought that I'd have an encounter with Christ and that after my encounter with Christ, I'd be so in love with Christ that I would never struggle with sin again. But I found myself going to confession every single week, confessing the same sins over and over again. I felt like St. Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 7, who writes, I do what I don't want to do and what I don't want to do, I do. And I was really struggling with this. So I just, I just had this fear that, that God's going to reject me. And so I told the Lord, no. And I got up and I walked out of that chapel disheartened, sad, downcast. But every day after that experience with the Lord, every day when I would walk into the chapel, I would just perceive him say to me again, Josh, will you let me love you? And every day I would say, no, God, I'm scared. And finally one day when I was in prayer, uh, we compared to our imagination, it was as if I was in my, my house and, and God came and, and he knocked on the door. Remember, God is a gentleman. He would never force himself he always proposes. He would never impose. He always invites. So he came and he knocked at the door of my heart. And you know what happens whenever someone knocks at your door? What do you do? What's the first thing you do? That's not a rhetorical question. What is it? You say, who is it? You're lying. No, that's not what you do. You look through the blinds. Right? <laughs> and if it's somebody you want to talk to, then you open the door. If it's not, you turn the TV off, turn the lights down low, tell everybody be quiet. Shh. Until they go away. So I was like, okay, Jesus, Josh ain't home. He's like, Josh, I'm God. <laughs> so finally, I let him in my, my home and my, my heart. I said, okay, Jesus, you want to come in? And, and he's looking at me, and the, the look he has is this, this face of love. And I said, Jesus, let me, let me show you my, my, my home. And this is my room of all my, my fidelity to prayer. These are the rosaries I've recited. This is the time that I've given to the liturgy of the hours. These are all the masses I've been to. And he looks at me with love and just says, Josh, I, I love you. I said, okay, well, Jesus, let, let me show you all my good works. All the time I've, I've spent on mission trips and all the things I've done in, in soup kitchen, all the people I've helped. And once again, he looks at me with love and he says, Josh, I, I love you. But what about that room back there? And you know we all have that room in our home that nobody can go in. I said, Jesus, you don't, you don't want to go back there. Josh, may we go in. Jesus, trust me, you don't want to go in. Josh, may we go in. See, back in that room, that was my room of sin, pain, shame, hurts, and wounds, all my stuff that I just didn't like. And I said, okay, God, you want to go? Let's go. And so we go in that room of my heart, and we walk in, and I'm expecting to see the face of Jesus Christ change from a face of love to a face of disgust. And when my eyes encountered the eyes of Christ again in prayer, do you know what I saw? I saw a face of unconditional love. And do you know what I heard when I looked at Jesus? I heard him say again, Josh, I love you. Period. Oh, he loves us. He sees us. He knows us. He loves us. The only way, though, that we will be able to perceive this love is if we take time to reorient our attention to his face so we can hear his voice speak these words of truth to us. This is not just for me. This is what happened with St. Peter. The apostles, they're in a boat. There's a storm going on. There's storms going on in our lives right now. And Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And Peter says, bid me, Lord, to, to come to you. And so Jesus says, come. And Peter begins to walk on water. We, we all know what happens. At some point, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. 
As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was able to withstand the storm and he gets caught up in the stuff and then he becomes anxious and scared and worried and he falls. But Jesus is there to, to save him. But oftentimes we, we don't reflect how long were they walking with each other on water? Was it just five seconds or was it like five hours? And while they're walking on water, what were the other apostles doing? They were still in the boat. They were in that same boat that Jesus Christ was not in. Jesus Christ was on the water. And the apostles are holding on to the boat because the waves are crashing against the boat. The boat is beginning to sink. And the apostles never asked Jesus, well, Lord, bid us to come and walk on the water too. And now at this point, Peter and Jesus are still walking. And Jesus sees the apostles, but they just won't go because they're scared. They're scared to let go of what they're comfortable with. They're scared to let go of the lies. They're scared to let go of the opinions of others. They're scared of all this stuff. And so they're holding on to their boat. And maybe at this point, Thomas falls over the boat and he's, he's hanging on. And as he's hanging on to the boat, the waves are still crashing, and Jesus Christ comes back and says, Thomas, just give me, let go of the boat. Let go of everything that you're holding on to. Just let, let it go and hold on to my hand. And Thomas, Thomas is filled with fear. He's filled with fear because maybe he saw the, the movie Titanic and he saw how Rose wasn't there for Leonardo DiCaprio. He was like us, he was probably traumatized. He's like, no, like he told her, like, I'll never let go. And then here she is on a piece of a boat, and there's clearly enough room for two people. <laughs> and Rose, she wouldn't let him on the, on, on the boat. She's like, no, Leonardo, there's not enough room for two of us. You can't come on here. He's like, please, Rose, just scoot over. And she's like, no, Leo, no, you've got to go. You're a bad habit. You're near occasion of sin. And so she did to, Ro, to, to Leonardo with, with Scar did to Mufasa. She did, rawr, and, and he went. And some of us, we're afraid that God's going to do that to us. But here's the thing, God will not do that to us. Jesus Christ wants us to let it all go. Let go of our expectations, let go of our fears, our concerns, our worries, and let go of the opinions of everything and everyone else. Because when we finally let it go and our hands are open like this, our hands can receive the hand of Jesus. And Jesus Christ will take our hand into his hand and he will walk with us. He will accompany us into the presence of our heavenly father. And with Jesus, we will be able to hear the words that the father who was the same yesterday, today and forever. We will hear the same words that he proclaimed to Jesus over us. You, your identity is my beloved. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I am pleased with you, I delight in you, not for what you have done or haven't done, but for who you are in my eyes. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.